Would you stand with me? We're going to, we're going to uh, do the whole, all of Isaiah chapter 9, but we're going to be looking specifically at verses 1 through 7 this morning. So, hear now God's Word from the book of Isaiah. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You've multiplied the nation. You've increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it, to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Judgment on arrogance and oppression. The Lord has sent a word against Jacob and it will not fall on Israel. And all the people will know Ephraim and the inhabitants of Samaria who say in pride and in arrogance of heart, the bricks have fallen, but we will build with dressed stones. The sycamores have been cut down, but we'll put cedars in their place. But the Lord raises the adversaries of reason against him and stirs up his enemies. And the Syrians on the east and the Philistines on the west devour Israel with open mouth. For all this his anger has not turned away and his hand is stretched out still. But the people who did not turn to him who struck them nor inquire the Lord of hosts. So the Lord cut off from Israel head and tail, palm branch and reed in one day. The elder and honored man is the head and the prophet who teaches lies is the tail. For those who guide this people have been leading them astray, and those who are guided by them are swallowed up. Therefore the Lord does not rejoice over their young men, and He has no compassion on their fatherless and widows. For everyone is godless and an evildoer, and every mouth speaks folly. For this His anger has not turned away, and His hand is stretched out still. For wickedness burns like a fire, a consumer, briars and thorns. It kindles the thickets of the forest, and they will roll up in a column of smoke. Through the wrath of the Lord of hosts, the land is scorched, and the people are like fuel for the fire. No one spares another. They slice meat on the right, but are still hungry. They devour on the left, but are not satisfied. Each devours the flesh of his own arm. Manasseh devours Ephraim, and Ephraim devours Manasseh. Together they are against Judah. For this... All this his anger has not turned away, and his hand is stretched out still. May God be praised for the word that he has given us this day, and may he add his understanding to his word to our hearts and minds. Amen. 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 You may be seated. There is so much in that particular passage that I really felt like. And looking at at Advent and the way that Advent kind of stacks up with different subjects for different weeks. 
I went with peace. And, and so therefore we're looking, again, as I said earlier, we're looking at the first seven verses of Isaiah chapter 9. The Great Chicago Fire occurred in 1871. And over 300 people died and another 100,000 were left homeless. And though there were a number of men and women who performed heroic acts in that disaster, there's one man who stood out for another number of reasons. Horatio Gates Spafford was an attorney in the Chicago area. He was one who lost quite a bit in the, uh, in the fire in terms of real estate. But just prior to this terrible tragedy, Spafford had lost about a year before that, had lost a son to scarlet fever. Yet, when he could have simply just caved in and become another one of the victims of life, Mr. Spafford Spafford chose to help those around him to get through their difficulties concerning the fire and its aftermath. Mr. Spafford's legacy grew not only as a good, decent man, but he was also known throughout the entire area as a good, devout Christian man as well. Fast forward about two years, 1873. Mr. Spafford and his family have befriended uh, a a renowned minister, a renowned evangelist, D.L. Moody. And D.L. Moody asks the Spafford family to come to England to be with him on one of his ministries, on one of his evangelical tours. And they agreed to go. But for reasons, whatever, Mr. Spafford was not able to leave at the same time that the rest of the Moody's and and the rest of them went. So what did he do? He sent his wife and his four daughters to go ahead in front of them. Tragedy struck the boat that they were on, however, and the ship that carried Spafford's beloved wife, Anna, and his four daughters was struck by another boat, and it went down within minutes of the time that it was hit. Spafford's wife was one of only 47 to live through this thing. His daughters, however, did not survive. He received a telegram from his wife that simply said, Saved alone. I can't imagine that. Can you? Horatio Spafford would soon sail to be with his wife. I cannot imagine the loneliness and the pain that he felt right then. And eventually he would sail over the exact spot where this ill-fated ship sank just, just a few days before. All as he passed over this area, Mr. Spafford wrote these immortal words that are still with us today. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrow like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well. It is well with my soul. Now, I believe we all know this hymn reasonably well. We may not be able to sing it all. Tyra probably can. You're good. But the peace that Horatio Spafford experienced through that, in what had to be the most difficult time of his life, is a peace that cannot come from anything of this world. It has to come from one place and one place only, and that is from Jesus Christ. John 14, 27, Jesus 
himself tells us, the disciples, and, and he tells us today, my peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world does. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And here are these words that we need to hear. They are watchwords for us as Christians, no matter the time. Do not fear. Do not be afraid. For just a few minutes this morning, I want us to look at peace of varying degrees. A peace that can only come from God in one way or another. But in a few different ways, okay? First, there's the world's peace. That seems like an odd one to start with, but it doesn't look like there'd be too much here, does it? I mean, we've been trying for world peace for for how long? For as long as the world's been around, pretty much. That got stopped fairly early. Ask Cain and Abel about that one. I, I mean, there's so much unrest of varying degrees throughout the world. Notice that Jesus said that he doesn't give us the kind of peace that comes from this world. His is otherworldly, okay? So immediately we can say that the peace of the world cannot ever measure up to the peace that Jesus Christ can give us. Countries are at war with each other. They're they're fighting against themselves. Even so, there is even there even if there is no war, there's certainly no trust. I mean, look at people nowadays. We can live in peace and harmony with others, but there's always this this mistrust. Look at young people who are taking their lives because of something called cyberbullying. They can't even be in the same room with each other, much less on a computer. They're being bullied by a computer. Families are broken in this country and and in other countries. We don't have the market cornered here. This happens all over the world. Look at the news every day and you're going to see evidence of of hatred, of disillusionment. And yet there was a time that seems not so long ago when I was a lot younger. And yes, I was at one time a lot younger. The cries for peace, love and brotherhood abounded. But as I've seen on Facebook, we may have a lot of the same things now, but our music was a whole lot better. Maybe to, a same, to, a, to some degree, we have the, the same cries for peace and all today, you know. And yet, the attitude even then was, don't mess with my stuff. If I catch you messing with anything that belongs to me, I'll put a hurting on you that'll last you a week. Some peace, huh? Some trust, huh? I won't read it to you now, but if, when you get an opportunity, I'll give you a homework assignment. Very short, Ezekiel 13, verses 10 through 12. Read that when you have the chance. Over the years, look, look at Israel and Palestine and, and the constant battles that have been going on there. Man cries peace when there is no peace. There's another peace, though, the one, one that comes from Jesus it says Philippians 4, 7 tells us a peace that passes all understanding. In fact, look at, at Philippians 4, verses 5 through 7 when you get an opportunity. That just might give you a better understanding of this peace in Christ. One that you may never need another definition from. Where does this peace come from? Look at our scripture reading for this morning. Isaiah 9, 6 and 7 gives us some insight 
through Isaiah the prophet that foretold of this peace that would come to us. Verse 7 even says he will be called Prince of Peace. This is a peace that is authored by God and no one else. No one of this earth can come up with a definition like that and mean it in the same way that God has given it to us. It comes through Jesus Christ. most beautiful thing about this peace that Jesus brings to us is that even in the midst of all the war and the bullying and the unrest and the lack of world peace that this world can throw at us, the peace which passes all understanding can be found right here upon this earth. Now, I've got a little thing I want to do this morning for you. And all I need you to do is promise me one thing. I want you to close your eyes, but when we're through, I want you to open them up again, okay? Don't fall asleep in the midst of this, all right? It's not that long, so if you can fall asleep then, you did not sleep well last night, or I'm just that boring, I'm not sure which. Close your eyes for me. I'm going to tell you a story. And as I go through this story, I want you to picture with me the description of these paintings, okay? You may have done this before, I don't know. There once was a king who offered a prize to the artist who could paint the best picture of peace. Many artists tried. The king looked at all the pictures, but there were only two he really liked, and he had to choose between those two. Now, start look, work with your mind's eye here. One picture was of a calm lake. Think about that. The lake was a perfect mirror, not a single ripple. For peaceful towering mountains were all around it. Overhead was a blue sky with fluffy white clouds. Now picture that for a second if you will. It's a great definition of peace, is it not? The other picture had mountains in it too. But these mountains were rugged and bare. Above was an angry sky from which rain fell and in which lightning played. Down the side of the mountain tumbled a foaming waterfall. This did not look peaceful at all. Picture that with me if you will. But when the king looked, he saw behind the waterfall a tiny bush growing in a crack in the rock. In the bush, a mother bird had built her nest. There in the midst of the rush of angry water sat the mother bird on her nest. The king chose the second picture as the winner because, as the king explained, peace does not need to be in a place where there is no noise or trouble or hard work. Peace means to be in the midst of all those things and still be calm in your heart. That is the true meaning of peace. Okay, you can open your eyes. This brings us to another kind of peace. It's a peace that's available to every one of us as well. It's here for our taking this very day in this place. You don't have to order it from Amazon, okay? 
You don't have to wait if you're an Amazon Primer and you can get it tomorrow. You don't even have to wait for it that. You can get it right now. Again, look at John 14, verse 27. Jesus leaves us His peace. I don't think we can look at the season that we celebrate Jesus' birth without this passage in mind. There's another verse that we have used, and we use it again today, John 3.16. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. And here it is, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. And knowing that, though the world can do much harm to the physical body, it cannot touch the soul. And that, brothers and sisters in Christ, should be enough to give you the peace on earth that you need, not only to make it through today, but to make it through the rest of your days. What a great peace that we can have today, knowing that we have a hope that goes beyond this life, beyond all the trials and the tribulations that this earth can throw at us. We can have the peace of knowing that when we die on this earth, we will live forever with Jesus Christ in a place that will make this, uh, make, uh, this earth pale in comparison to what heaven will be. And we can truly, as the flower children of the 60s suggested, we can have peace for all by sharing the joy and peace of Jesus Christ with others. The last kind of peace that we'll talk about today is the result of peace of Jesus Christ within us. This is a peace that can literally change the world. My peace I give to you once again, we hear in John 14. It's a gift given to us. I heard sometime back, I suppose after all this craziness started with people going into schools and with young people being senselessly cut down, Why did God let all this happen? Where was God in all of this? The answer to that is very simple. Well, the day you escorted him out the back door of the schools, you had to escort the police in the front door. And that's the way it's been ever since, folks. The peace that the government tries on occasion to implement will fall way short. It's the peace that comes from Jesus Christ, which we can have within us. That is the peace that's going to change the world for the better and nothing else. Without that peace in this world, that peace can be received by all who live upon this earth. The peace that Isaiah talked about, the peace about, that the angels told the shepherds about, even the peace that Paul wrote about in his letters. It's not something that we're not only able to look forward to, to occur in heaven someday, but it is a peace that is available to us right now. It is a peace that we are to practice now as children of God. And we're to share it with others. Not next week. Not when we think about it but as soon as we walk out the door of this church. This Christmas, I hope we will be able to to be around friends, family, church family, and at some point, you may have to be one who keeps peace or even creates it within members of your family or, or whatever the case may be. Maybe it won't be at Christmas. Perhaps it'll just be on another day and, and something erupts between folks that you know. How are you going to do it? 
How are you going to approach that problem? Would you choose to say a kind word that will help promote peace and cool off hot heads? Or will you simply choose to walk away and say nothing? Will you offer words of encouragement to both sides? Or will you use words of discouragement to tear someone down as you take sides? We as Christians have the ultimate peacemaker living inside of us. We have the words of motivation as we remember the words the angel said to the shepherds. Peace on earth, goodwill to men. You see, this peace is not reserved for us just when we get to heaven. It begins or it should begin right here on earth. More specifically, it begins within each of us. With each of us. Goodwill toward men should be an attitude of the heart that all Christians should partake in, not just this time of year, not just between Thanksgiving and Christmas, okay? Or even let's stretch it and say till the first of the year. This is 365 days a, a year. It's 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 52 weeks a year. This is how it should live in us. We should strive to make it second nature to us, not just now, but all the year through. We should be an example of goodwill to others each and every day. We are so many world leaders who promote world peace. good number of, of them attempt to author this peace, this abundance or this absence of war and, and a, a presence of peaceful harmony without Christ. We can all just get along, join in a big circle and sing Kumbaya all the time. But you know how they do that? They promote peace right here, but they have got an arsenal of nuclear weapons right behind them that would choke a horse. Some peace, huh? The peace that man tries to create will fall short. At best, it'll be temporary. But the peace that comes from Jesus Christ, that is a peace that we can rely on no matter the circumstances. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. In other words, Jesus is telling us, be fearless. Live fearlessly. Don't be afraid to live life. Don't be afraid of an unknown tomorrow. Don't be afraid even of others Uh, Telling us about this wonderful peace that that any worldly understanding can surpass and not be able to cash in on it. The peace that comes from Jesus can resolve any problem that might arise. It is a peace that can stop all the madness of senseless death and destruction worldwide and even just around the corner. It's a peace that comes from the ultimate peacemaker himself. And it is available to us today, to any and all of us who will accept it. We can be assured that this peace does indeed await us in heaven, but also know that it can be ours starting now. We don't have to wait. We simply need to yield to Him and to His will for you and me. What a gift you can receive this special Christmas season. The gift of God's peace delivered to you through the birth 
of a child given to us so long ago. If you know that at peace, I encourage you, be the peacemaker that you have been called to be. Be the difference maker to those around you. For in the end, the ultimate peacemaker is living within you. And because of that, should you not be sharing that peace with others? Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you. We praise you for the words of Isaiah so long ago, talking about your son being the prince of peace. And we know that to be true. And yet, Lord, so often we lose sight that 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 prince of peace is here among us all the time and, and we should submit to him. And yet we think of peace being a, a time many years from now when we'll not be here, but we'll be with you in heaven. And we will have that peace then. But eternal life has already started. We'll continue it in heaven. So Lord, let us live with that peace in our hearts. And yet, may we go out and share it with the world. For that's what you want us to do. Bless us to that end, we ask you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.